everyone welcome to pro football ireland uh, we are getting there another week closer to the nfl season which does not start september we've a full all ireland run we've got the rest of the premier league season to go plus the first four weeks of the new premier league season we've an awful awful long way to go but uh, delighted to be joined by mark hogan as we uh, i guess sort of round up our thoughts on this initial new head coaching class first off mark uh, kajay what's the crack how you doing a story just as we start the podcast i'm checking in with some of that news that the eagles have recommended that the letter o or the number zero be worn on the short shirts the number zero hold on so so whoa. they're saying that um, they um but there's not enough single digit numbers because you know the single digit numbers are obviously more so they want to add a number because you know so many teams have retired numbers and all this and numbers that can't be used so hold on so somebody they, can have like number 104 or something is that what you're no, saying no that number someone can have the number zero welcome Here. welcome to the nfl every 2023 first round draft pick they are going to select the number zero to wear because it's cool whereas damien damien lillard in the nba calls it the letter o which is the <laughs> correct way to refer to it um what's your favorite number mine is if i was gonna be an nfl player i'd wear number six i go for number four or it used to be 23 because I was a sub always for GA. <laughs> well, let me be quite clear. I don't want to go into a different argument for people here, but the year was it two years ago when they allowed the wide receivers to have whatever number, like, you know, like players can wear whatever number they want. Hate it. Can't stand that. I think it's the stupidest rule going. It really grinds my gears. And frankly, it annoys me. I'm Genuinely glad that we can talk me. about this, Michael. I'm glad that we can talk about it. I 100% agree. I was so fluent in knowing what position everyone was because of their number. Oh. And we've forgotten, we've forgotten that, you know, convenience <laughs> that we had. It's really, it's genuinely really annoying. If I, and I would like to imagine and hope that at some point down the line, we can get Mr. Goodell on this podcast. I'd love to say it to him in a positive way. That's the only thing I would change in the league at the minute is that. And a couple of things, well, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. It's silly season. It's, uh, this is going out during the week of February to March. So if you're listening to this in March, uh, another month down, we're getting there. NFL Combine is this week. Um, you can catch up on our socials at NFL Ireland if anything interesting does happen there. I read an article on Monday, Mark, saying about you know what, what, what is the usefulness now of the Combine for a lot of people because there's so much stuff out there. And um, we'll not get into that in this podcast because we're going to look at um, uh, Demiko Ryan's and Shane Steichen or she, I can't, I can't, I can't pronounce his surname. So just before I do that, will you be glued to the combine this weekend? I mean, for me, Tyrone's playing Kerry in Oma on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to that. The Formula One's back. The football's on. The XFL, of course, is on. The and let me just openly say this right now. Um, and this weekend is the start of the new American Football Ireland season. There's a load of games on. And I, I want to play just to, um, honestly a massive um, thank you um, to the Cosby Giants who let us come up at the weekend. We brought a uh, former NFL Pro Bowl quarterback Gus Farrat to um, the Cosway Glens up in Armoy, which is not too far from the Dark Hedges if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Mark, they have a serious setup up there. They've got their own pitch. Um, but it's it's class in the countryside. It's really really nice. Basically, but this this weekend, so obviously a massive thanks to to them giving them a shout out on Instagram and TikTok here. 
So best of luck, not just to the Cosmic Giants, but the best of luck to everybody this weekend. Um, you've got UCD playing the Dublin Rebels on Sunday. You've got the Kildare Crusaders or Kildara Crusaders playing the Donegal Derry Vipers. Uh, Razorbacks against the Andrew Jets, big big NI battle there. Um, and the UL Vikings against the Dublin Rhinos. And then the Cosmic Giants are playing uh, Trinity. So Trinity are going all the way up there. So uh, I'm definitely going to try and get to a few games. and Maybe we can meet for a game in Dublin, Mark, and see the crack. Yeah, um, I think that'd be cool. I didn't know the Crusaders were playing in the top division. I thought that they were the... They're in Division 1. Nice, that's so cool. They're, they're in Division 1. That battle of NI is in Division 1 with Antrim and the NI Razorbacks. And then Division 2 is Cosmic Giants. And that game um, with UCD and the Rebels is um, on March the 5th. That's the Premier Division. So you get the Premier Division, Division One, Division Two, um, but not honestly a massive thanks to to the Causeway Giants and to everybody in the league um, for making us feel so welcome. Uh, I know it meant an awful lot to Gus and his wife for being up there. Um, he remarked on how impressed he was, not only with the facilities, and he was more he was just so impressed by the dedication and the determination that people had. Uh, and if people obviously, aren't aware who Gus is, he's a legend in the. <laughs> NFL. I text Michael. The name rings a bell with me because he is the man who scored a touchdown and celebrated by headbutting one of the stadium walls, and he sprained his neck. <laughs> Which he seems like he seemed like a really cool guy, and it's really cool when you get these guys over here and that he wanted to engage and check out the local game, which was really awesome. It was cool that you're able to, for lack of a better word, chaperone or whatever. So yeah, it was really cool when you text me saying that was happening, and uh, yeah, legend, like I said, was over on the, these shores. We're gonna go to a game. If not next weekend, we're gonna go to a game the weekend after. Sound like a plan? I think we should do it. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'd be up Five Dublin Panthers against the Cork Admirals. I'm putting it out here on the internet now. UCD, court, I, you know what? You got the UCD against the Trojans. I could probably get the bus oh, up with them boys after. So there that you could go. Be yeah, the Trojans and all. Yeah, big team. Right. Leave that with us. But I obviously from myself, Mark, Michaela, the whole of the PFI team, a massive good luck to everybody taking part this season. Um, and look forward to seeing everyone at the bowl game, Shamrock Bowl, hoping that it's in a friendly location for a young buck traveling from Dungannon. Uh, if it's in Torquay, <laughs> carry it's grand. Don't be worrying. I'll get there somehow. Anyway, um, so we talked about the head coaching updates, Mark, on the last podcast with Michaela, and we wanted just to quickly uh, talk about the opportunity. The one that's really interesting is, is D'Amico Ryan's going to Houston. This is a really, it's a really interesting situation because it makes you think, you know, how much time is he going to get? <laughs> like, I, I loved Lovey Smith. I really like Lovie Smith. He's a he's a good guy in terms of the, he gets his players to play for him. But if you're going to bring in D'Amico Ryans and you've potentially got a quarterback there, for example, in Davis Mills, the, the, the question for me is, again, how much time does he get? Is he going to get five years? He needs five years, frankly. The thing that was funny, though, and it was great to see whenever I was doing on the Niners this year. So obviously, if you're not aware, folks, D'Amico Ryans was with the Niners. And the players have such respect for him. And you heard the way that Kyle Shannon talks about him saying, look, I hope he's here next year. I pray to God he's here next year because they respect him and, and love him that much. So the question is, um, you know, he's a guy that's been with the Texans, I think from 06 to 11. Um, you know, when you hear guys that previously played in Houston, like JJ Watt being excited and quite a small fan base in Houston being excited, it makes you think that they're on the right track, but they have an awful lot of work to do. Yeah, like it was a weird head coaching carousel. It was something that I flagged 
way back, you know, I don't know, October, that there was no dominant teams. So it was always going to come down to this head coach. It's like, like, where do you go to? So, yeah, you poach from Carl Shanahan or maybe you poach from Sean McVay. But eventually, as it turned out, like you could say half the teams waited for the Super Bowl, i.e. the Cardinals and um, the Colts getting uh, Steichen and um, Dante Gannon. So it did play out that D'Amico Ryans became the big name and he was the safest candidate because he was looking after a ferocious defense with San Francisco. The problem is that he has gone from the most talented team in the NFL to the most talent depleted team in the NFL. So when you're talking about how much time he's going to get, and I, I'm kind of annoying myself now by bringing up this point so much because it's just something that resonated with me and I keep coming back to it, but he needs the same time as Rob Sala got, which is, or as Absolutely. because Rob Sala came from the exact same, like literally the exact same San Francisco setup with yeah. that f- phenomenal defense to a really poor Jets team. That happened in 2021. Obviously, we saw the Jets, what they're able to do this year with a fantastic draft class. That does happen because they have Joe Douglas there in uh, New York that can make decisions a lot better. Like he went from Philadelphia midway through a season, wasn't it? And he was touted so highly as a GM that with Nick Casario as the GM in Houston, it is way more difficult because he hasn't shown us anything in his time there except for making controversy, really. Um, a lot of people thought he should have gone after this season, but he stays around, so he will certainly be the next one to go after going with two, two one-and-done-in-a-row head coaches. But it does make the uphill battle for D'Amico Ryans as you know safe as a pick as he for a head coach as he was or is um they do have tons of draft capital obviously they have the second overall so they're going to go for their quarterback there <laughs> funny enough we we know the story about how that should have been the first overall pick but then they went and won a game under lovey smith which was fantastic but it does make their future <laughs> a little bit more murky especially with reports this week this is chicago bears are definitely open to shopping the first overall pick mm. whether that's to increase a price on justin fields or not that you know maybe a team is looking around with justin fields that was my first take that oh this could be the start of it now well um, this- this podcast is going out on a Wednesday this week and we're recording it on uh, a Tuesday. So let's be clear here now. And I know you've brought that up because nothing's going to happen time-wise surely for this podcast to go out. I think they don't just shop. I I, I would be convinced and we can talk maybe if you want to go in, in length for this. I, I genuinely do not believe Justin Fields is the quarterback in Chicago next year. I, I think they're going to trap someone. And I, I think it would be crazy that like I can see them trading him away somewhere. And getting serious capital, they've already got ninety four million dollars of uh, of cap space free. This is the opportunity. The thing is, though, if I was in the position that Ryan poses it, I'd be keeping Fields because I think he's got the potential. I, he needs another couple of years, but he's got the potential to be a great player. He's already shown signs of brilliance in certain games last season. But you just feel like with the initial murmurings coming out of the combine that they're not fully sold, and this is going to be a real interesting topic as we as we sort of march into the nfl draft in 27th of april it is incredibly interesting because like it's when the cardinals had the first overall pick and they had just selected josh rosen the year before number 10 overall and they traded up for him as well a couple of spots they didn't anticipate having the first overall pick but then it was the whole thing like well we don't ever expect to be back selecting the very best or at 
the very best that we need in the draft. We don't ever want to be in the first overall pick selection again. So if you have it, it's always very difficult to trade it away because you think of it as a once in a lifetime opportunity. So they can say, we literally are being offered the cornerstone of our franchise. And are we going to trade that away so that we can have two solid players, but we know that the hit rate on in the first round of the draft is 50%. So one of them could be a stud and then the other one could burn out. And we're going to hear more about the burnout than anything else because fans are going to be annoyed, especially a passionate Chicago fan base. Yeah. So everyone is talking about if they're able to trade back only a handful of spots and maybe pick up a Will Anderson if the Cardinals go in a certain way because you can be so sure that at number two, the Texans are going to be gone with a, a quarterback. I suppose that's where it becomes very kind of diluted and convoluted because you don't exactly know where they're going. But it's like, yeah, I really like Justin Fields for a lot of this year. Like if they had been on a winning team, he was the MVP or in the MVP race in October because he was, you know, he literally was putting it all when he had no wide receivers. He was making serious plays and they, he was better than their record would suggest. You know, everyone says that a quarterback um, is always linked with the win percentage, and obviously that makes no sense. But in terms of Justin Fields, he was kind of hard done that they didn't have more wins because he deserved it from his own individual play. So there is that element to it. Mm. But, like, if you have the first overall pick, like, why not go for the best quarterback in the draft versus what happened to Justin Fields, which he was obviously a phenomenal talent, but he wasn't the first quarterback taken. I think if you go with a quarterback, I'm going to go back to, to make a in a second, but I think if you go with a quarterback, it sets a precedent in Chicago. I think if you're Justin Fields, you're going, come on, like, this is my team. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even entertain it if I was the Bears. I would either trade down and get the value or select somebody else in that position that they need. I mean, they need they need a number of different players in a number of different positions, so they should look outside of that. And this, this is a... It's not a fantastic quarterback heavy draft, and we will talk about that going. In my opinion, we, we will talk about that going into the draft, which is at the end of April. Um, the funny thing about D'Amico Ryan's is, you know, you've got around 38, 39, I think it's thirty nine million in free cap space. If you can get Laramie Tunsil, um, to get a new deal, it gives um D'Amico Ryan's that flexibility when the new, when the new league year starts to try and make some moves. Uh, but I fully agree with what you're saying. It, time is the key. And you, you look at what Robert Sala has done there with the Jets and the amount of time. And frankly, the patience that they've had with him. And you see, we've seen, you know, the, the quarterback struggles they've had, how close they were this year. And, and they're not that far off that you can really make that jump year on year. So I think he needs time, but I'm I'm really excited as a neutral fan and just someone that watches the game to see what can happen to Texans because they're in an interesting division for a start, but the Texans have the ability to make quick strides. I think if you offered them six to seven wins right now next year, they'd bite your arm off, frankly, but I think it can be done. It just depends who they have in. Um, Right, we've got the we've got the Colts head, head well, coach talking about. I suppose before uh, for moving it, on, it, when you're talking about the wins, they have Bobby Slovic, I think his name is, from the 49ers as their offensive coordinator. That is a team that you can kind of pin, put everything on Kyle Shanahan being the mastermind there. So I'm paying attention to how the offense goes because it is so talent depleted I mean Brandon Cooks their top wide receiver wanted out this year looks like he might hang around now because of D'Amico Ryans 
But I don't know what age Brandon Cooks is, even is anymore. He's playing so many different leagues, it's outrageous. But then they did go for John Metchie in the second round last year. I mean, we don't know what kind of time. Like, it's just, it's so hard when you start going through. Of course, they did find Damian Pierce running back last year. He was a bright spark. Davis Mills obviously isn't their quarterback in the future. On defense, what Jerry Hughes that they got from Buffalo last year is probably one of their standout names, but like they don't have too many of them. Like Desmond King was playing as their slot corner last year, but it's like Desmond King's trajectory has gone down and down and down. Even though like he was a pro baller in his first year, he was obviously traded from the Chargers, kind of bounced, not bounced around a little bit, but has been on different teams. Uh, Jalen Petrie, their, their safety, obviously last year in the in the second round, they got him that. There's a handful of recognizable names if you're kind of tuned into the NFL, but they're, I just think it's, they need to hit on, they have five picks in the first three rounds of the draft. Like I said, the two first round picks, a second round pick, two third round picks. They really have to be hitting on them. I just don't know, do I trust Nick Casario to make the most of those picks? And that's what becomes very difficult for D'Amico Ryans because then he'll look poor because his defense is obviously helped massively last year by savage players. And that's the problem that Rob Sada ran into as well. That even when uh, Quinn Williams wasn't working for his first few years, this year a lot of Jets fans said he should have been a pro bowler. But Quinn and Williams, they didn't get the most out of him the first year because there was no talent around him. So say the Texans, you know, with the 12th overall pick at a stud and he doesn't work out for them. It's very difficult to make it work out. I suppose that's what I'm trying to articulate, that it is more likely going to be a bad Houston team again. And D'Amico Ryan's is kind of outside his control, but it's the strides that he can make over the next yeah. two or three years. And it's the buy-in from the fans and the ownership as well. If you're ever going to have that buy-in, it's now when you've got a guy that's been on that team and they've really put an onus on that and his history with the team as well. So you would hope for his sake that he's given that opportunity because he deserves it after what he's done in San Francisco. So the very, very best look to him. Really like the pick. Really, really like the pick, and I think there's serious potential. Um, I can't pronounce. I, like you've said this last last name Steichen. four times. Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen. Uh, why? Why can I not pronounce that? Like I, it's, I know it's a difficult one. I I was paying attention to Shane Steichen in the middle of the season because I wanted him for the Cardinals because he he it's difficult. Philadelphia obviously fantastic this year. He is there, or he was there offense coordinator a lot of people did put it on him that he made massive strides with Jalen Hurts and that run game in particular so well, the Cardinals scoring want in yards per game and then obviously what you say about Hurts like so sure like surely well this is the thing Jim Irish said probably looked at that stat and just picked him up you know? <laughs> but what what unlocked the uh, now look he <laughs> this is not just a rhetorical question like <laughs> AJ Brown really unlocked that offense because it did mean obviously they did what I liked about Philadelphia is they kept investing in their wide receivers even after um I'll get his name in a second. They they flamed out on one of their wide receivers, first round pick. It's Rager. Right. Rager. Yeah. But they kept going. So they got Smith. And then they obviously went and traded for AJ Brown, but they didn't stop with and it's like it's almost a a lesson to other teams. They were like the Eagles weren't in fantastic shape, obviously. Um they were they were you know kind of tipping away the last few years, but they did invest their first round pick in wide receivers. Whereas a lot of teams think once you put one first rounder into a wide receiver, you don't need to do it again 
for five or six years. I know that's any way how the Cardinals do it. I, I would say the same for the Broncos. Obviously, they got um, Jerry Judy, and then it's like, oh, well, that's the, the box ticked. But it showed this year that even though it wasn't going well for Philadelphia, they eventually did get Devontae Smith, and then it was able to elevate, obviously, the likes of Devontae Smith. Or sorry, AJ Brown elevated Devontae Smith. So he did have a lot of studs on offense. Maybe, maybe he's getting out at the right time now that they obviously have a lot of uh, turnover in Philadelphia, or it would be turnover. There's a lot of free agents there this year. But then he did have the fantastic offensive line as well. So he will have a fantastic offensive line back in Indianapolis, which fell off a well, fell off a cliff for no apparent reason really this year. Maybe it's just that the quarterback behind him, Matt Ryan, was too stiff. So Shane Sykin's run game, see, he's he also gets credit because he worked with Justin Herbert because he was from the Chargers as well, Sykin yeah. was. But it's like, what credit can you give him really? Because Justin Herbert is just a phenomenal quarterback. What, being in the same room as him alone is enough apparently to, you know, get massive credit for being a part of his career. But it's like, yeah, he has obviously worked with these guys. Um yeah, I, I'm just interested to see what he can do with a more depleted team. A bit like Ryan's look, that's why a lot of these guys end up getting jobs because teams are poor because they don't have the talent, but then can they coach them up? So Shane Sykin is definitely the guy that I had wanted from earlier on in the year, and I'm jealous of uh, the Colts getting him. I, I can see why you'd be jealous of the Colts getting him, and he's a very hot choice because of the whole situation all season. But we, we're, we're talking, I don't want to be, I don't want to tick the obvious box here, but for people listening, but we're talking about a team here that hired Jeff Saturday to be its interim head coach for the majority of the season, during the season. The Colts will probably, and, and, and Shane Steichen will probably look at getting a young quarterback in. Fair enough. You've got Jonathan Taylor, who, if you don't realize, folks, is on quite a, a very, very team-friendly deal at the moment until he has to sign a contract in the next few years. They're quite depleted, and they need to bring in, like, you know, they, they need to bring in um, in my opinion, anywhere from five to ten players that can make an instant impact on both sides of the ball. And you 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 look back to this time last year when the well, not exactly this time last year, but this time in the off season last year, where there was rumors about the Sean Watson, and obviously the Falcons were were in for getting him, and then they trade Matt Ryan away to Indy, and the and the first reactions were this is the genius move, it's a great move for Matt Ryan, Matt, Matt Ryan, great guy, yada yada yada. This will work out really really well. And look what happened this year. Like look at you know people give. Um, people are quick to really put Jerry Jones down. Jim Irsay's management and the way that he manages his team in terms of the staff, the players, everything is at times questionable. And when your GM potentially, you know, the GM situation should have been sorted out at one point. Like you, you cannot have a season like you had two years ago and then have a season like you've had in 2022. It's not acceptable. And I understand now when you when you bring in a new head coach, there's, no, there's new aspirations. But I, I do think that um, everyone's on the line here. I think obviously the new head, the, the new head coach should be given time, but Ursay, Ursay honestly is just a weird lad. Like Chris Ballard's on his last legs in, in Indianapolis. And I said that last year. So I, I don't know what the plan is here. I understand why it's a good move for them. But certainly on the head coaches that we talked about on the previous podcasts in terms of, and we mentioned Gannon with the Cardinals, Reich with the Panthers and Peyton with the Broncos. For me, D'Amico Ryans or Sean Payton are the best hires. Um. I can see why you're saying that about Shane Sykin, but I think there's so many question marks. And I know there's question marks 
for for every team, and that's why a lot of them are in a situation where you have to bring in a new head coach. But there are a lot of question marks in Indy, and you've got that window, I guess, now with Tennessee, and it's you know what's going to happen there. They need to have a very very good start to the season, like every team does. But I just would find it difficult to see them making a playoff run next year to bring a young quarterback in because there's still too many question marks for me. Am I being harsh? It seems like I am. I'm convinced myself. I, I suppose I wouldn't look at it as just a one-year project, um, because you know you you employ these guys and they're supposed to you know run your organization for twenty years. You know, Sean or Shane Sykin is a young guy. Hopefully, hopefully. See, the thing with Shane Sykin for me was you're dead right. He was the swing for the fences. So when you weren't getting a Sean Payton or there wasn't an obvious candidate, like you know, say there was a Brian Dable last year or whatever, when those guys kind of weren't there, I was like. Yeah, go for it. Just you just had Cliff Kingsbury, who you brought in on a whim from the college. So I guess yeah, I'm talking as a fan now. Like the Cardinals ended up not being able to get Shane Sykin, and maybe they'll tell themselves, oh well, it's better to go with the less experimental one. But that's why I go for Shane Sykin. But it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how he sets up because most likely they are going to get a young quarterback. He will be tasked with obviously. Um, you know, coaching that guy up. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter has come over from most recently Jacksonville, where he's just, you know, he was their offense or their, sorry, their pass game coordinator. Do you credit him with Trevor Lawrence's year? I don't think so, based on his own track record. You're probably going to put that on Doug Peterson more. Jim Bob Cooter obviously was with the Jets under Gaze, and then he was with the Detroit Lions before that. Um, you know, he he doesn't have a massive track record of success, or you know, like. That he's done something extremely prominent so that is an interesting one you know even when it when he was hired that you know i think shane Sykin will need all the help that he can get and that's why there's certain staffs that i like more than others because they have a bit more experience and i suppose i would go with the more experienced staff like um who's who's our fifth team that um we didn't have so uh, frank reich i love frank reich's yeah. um coaches and i know you guys um scorn me for saying that even though I, I still think he's the best he has put the best staff in place sean payton was the coach that everyone wanted but i think that frank reich has put the best staff in place so he'd be the one for me that gets it but like all of these have interesting facets so yeah it's like yeah i want shane Steichen for the the ceiling i want sean payton for the history i want Fra- frank reich for the staff that he's put together jonathan gannon as a cardinals fan i'm not against because it seems like there's a click there between um drew petzing they or sorry the offense coordinator they seem to see something in him and then more interestingly nick rallis the defensive coordinator at 29 years old seems like a lot of teams wanted his mind in the building and including the eagles trying to keep him in there so you know all of these guys come with different things that like and then D'Amico ryan's just being so uh, positive around the players and then coming from the defense that he had that all of these uh, uh, but that's the thing when you're talking in March like everyone is going to make you extremely excited because they haven't put anything everyone. on paper um, <laughs> all of a sudden you well last year like there was a except for um, there was a big love in certain teams last year a lot of people thought yeah. last year that like for example Nathaniel Hackett Wilson's was the, the biggest Broncos. yeah Nathaniel and Hackett, Hackett yeah. last year was supposed to be massive and a year later he's gone um, Lovey Smith was the only one that seen that he only got the job because uh, Josh McCown it, it wasn't fair to give Josh McCown a job in the NFL, that's the only reason to, the Texans ended up with Lovey Smith even, um, I can't think of our friend over in New, in New Orleans um, Jeff Duncan heck, 
No, no, the head coach of the, <laughs> the Saints. Yeah, I knew oh, what I said. God. Um, do you only have him in your head now? I can't. I, I'm, I, I never hell. Know. He's in my head. He looks like an under 14 manager from Cavan or something. Do you know, like it's like uh I have it now for us, yeah. I can give you the name if you wish, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen, there you go. It's like but Dennis that, Allen like was... That, but that's it, Dennis know. Allen has been not forgettable, forgettable this year. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like that that, that so, is he, the problem. He didn't have the hype now around him. Sean Payton kind of, you know, stood away and then they just elevated him from their defensive coordinator position. But it's like, yeah, this was a smaller field. So there was five last year that we were extremely excited about. There should be five that you're extremely excited about this year. I do think that maybe... Well, no, not completely, but I, I I, wonder, was there one team out there that didn't fire a head coach because they said, look, the, the talent pool isn't as obvious this year to go with. There's probably only five guys. That's interesting. Well, except for Lou Anarumo. I, I mean, I was surprised that the Cardinals went for John Gannon over him, but I do think that the staff maybe is what got it over the line. Yes, sir. I think we've done really well to talk for an hour on podcasts on two different podcasts in the well, off season. It we didn't even mention. We didn't even mention. I think they have to be mentioned, and we'll go through them really go fast. The Vikings getting Brian Flores as their defense coordinator. Great to see Brian Flores become a DC after everything that's happened and after the sheer disrespect. He'll be a head coach in twelve months. I, but I think that's I think that's massive for the Vikings because last year they were obviously eleven and zero in one score games. Ed Dantel, uh, their defense coordinator, obviously gotten rid of. But then they did allow six 30-point games allowed against them. Like, their losses were awful. Like, when they lost, they lost hard. So I think that now that they can actually rely... Like, you know, Patrick Peterson was their cornerback in Minnesota, was quite loud for parts of the year. But you kind of were like, well... You know, kind of getting a bit fluky here too. You shouldn't be too loud. So I think Brian Flores is massive for the... I think that that legitimizes them. Last year, you know, we kept on calling them frauds, but I think they're going to have a serious defense next year. Um, inter- a really interesting one that well, we're big, talking about. Mark, big Vic. Big fans, you're becoming a DC in Miami's huge as well. That's one and- that's that that's one that we have ready for us. Like I was going to mention that one, Vic Fangio. Um, like that is uh, because Brian Flores had such a good defense when he was in Miami, and a lot of those players are still around. That Vic Fangio kind of goes in, like you know, these two guys, you know, weren't coaching or whatever. For I know, like obviously Flores was at the linebacker coach with the Steelers. Like it was under unusual circumstances. But I think the Miami Dolphins now are, have a massive upgrade. And extremely interestingly, Todd Munkin has gone from Tampa Bay's pass game coordinator to Baltimore. Obviously, Baltimore has had a non-existent pass game for years. It would seem like it was Mark Andrews or nothing last year. And even he was injured. Uh, obviously, they lost Bateman and Brown was traded. So, they, you know, they didn't even have an opportunity. So what Todd Munkin would be able to do there, I don't know. But at least they are going to focus a lot more on passing versus just Lamar Jackson running around and hoping to play um, develops. Let's do a roundup podcast of all that stuff. Because, like, for example, the Brian Flores thing happened on February 6th when we were heading into Arizona. Let's do, like, a yeah. roundup one after the combine. I think this is the roundup. There's only so much you can go into Brian Flores. <laughs> I know, I'll do it. There, there's a heap of stuff we can yeah, talk 100%. about. Got, yeah, I, um, I wonder what we do kind of a team by team. Who knows? We'll talk about this, but think, it yeah, might I, be I worth going through a lot of these like, teams. Like, yeah, like, I, th- I think that could be the best way. And we'll, we'll obviously chat off off camera or off mic about it if anybody does have any ideas or anything they want to get in touch about in info at proofootball.ie at michael underscore nfl at hogan nfl at nfl ireland at michaela pfi twitter instagram the works hit us up we'd love to hear your ideas we've got a cool gas theme steamed styled 
podcast coming out to you on monday the 6th from 5 a.m irish times a bit of crack and then we'll have a podcast later on next week as well but i guess for now um marcus we could crack as always thanks a million for taking your time up in this busy and interesting off season we'll chat to you soon chat soon michael